I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed our series in the book of John. I've, I've loved going through the book of John. And the reason we picked John, you, you say there's four Gospels, why, why John? I can tell you that John is different than the other three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all carry many similarities. And, and John, what, what he does is he turns his focus into revealing Jesus and his function. And what we're going to see in our story today is that Jesus is wrestling. He's, he's, he's having this struggle with people to truly believe. Now, I've heard, I, I don't know about you, but I've heard faith described as a fire. Come on, you guys heard that? Where faith is described as a fire. And I don't know if we have any good fire builders in this church besides Rick Hunt, who can build some incredible fires. But you know what? He, he probably does something that we can't talk about today. He uses accelerant, I'm sure, on his fires. And so if you ever start a fire from scratch without accelerant, you know that you have to tend to that fire and you have to care for it. And the way you have to build it has to be very careful. And usually what you do is you start with some, some dry brush or dry grass and very small sticks. And what you're going to do is you're going to get a spark. And when you get that spark, it might begin to smoke if you're lucky, right? And then what you have to do is you have to take that smoke, you have to take that ember, and you have to blow on it. There has to be oxygen. And so then you just start building very slowly from, from small things to very big things. You know you can't get that smoke and that little bit of fire going and then just toss a big log on it and say, all right, we're good to go. It's not going to work. You have to build it up slowly. And so Jesus is wrestling with these guys in belief. And what we're going to see is that Jesus is clearly disappointed in man's approach with faith. And it comes in the form of a request for a miracle. So we're going to read that this morning. John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. Let's read. It says, At the end of two days, Jesus went to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his home, own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe? Everyone say believe. believe. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your word this morning. It is good. And God, I pray that you will use a, uh, 
a sleepy fool this morning to deliver your truth and your message. I praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, now, something interesting to note, there, there's, there's many things that are interesting to note before we really dive in here. And the first is that the Galeans welcomed him. You know, Jesus had just been in his own hometown. He, it, it's been well discussed that Jesus could perform no miracles in his own hometown. But the Galileans welcomed him. But the welcome was based on the awe of his miracles, not on the faith. And throughout the gospel, there are three words used to describe Jesus' miracles. Matthew, Mark, and Luke use the Greek word dunamis. Everyone say dunamis, which means power. And it describes an act of raw force that amazes observers and leads to the inevitable conclusion that God must be at work in Jesus. That's in Mark 6 2. In John, the response of amazement is absent, and he labels Jesus' miracles as a sign, or semeon. So everyone say semeon. Yeah, it's a weird word. It's not simeon, but it's, it's semeon, which carries a deeper meaning. And John also describes Jesus' miracles as works. And Christ's miracles were a part of the work God gave him to reveal the Father to the world. Now, I think this is significant. You know, John looks at it differently than the other three Gospels in that the, the miracles were a necessary part of the ministry to reveal the Father. You guys catching with me so far? So, so it was, it was, the goal was to reveal the Father. And in the book of John, unlike the other books, only records seven miraculous signs. They are changing water to wine. We, we've done that message. Today, healing the official son. The third was healing a paralyzed man in chapter 5. Feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Walking on the water in 16 through 21. Healing a blind man in chapter 9. And then lastly, as part of his ministry, raising Lazarus from the dead in chapter 11. Now there was another miracle that Jesus performed after he was resurrected and that was, that was uh, the disciples cast their nets on the other side of the boat and they caught, they caught more fish than they could ever imagine. And so what John does is he, he minimizes talking about the miracle because he saw it this way. Remember, John was the most loved disciple, right? And John was seeing it differently than the others, that the miracles were a necessary means to bring people, reveal people to God. And so Jesus' frustration was based off that my purpose is not to just come here and be David Copperfield. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not down here to just be that, that puppet that's, that's there to do miracles. Everyone is in shock and awe and saying, okay, I did my work. We're good. That wasn't Jesus' point. He made the message behind the signs and, and brought everything, tried to bring everything into view for them. So each sign, what it usually did was it matched the discourse he was having with people. Think about it. He was feeding the 5,000. It wasn't just to meet their needs, but so they could see him as the bread of life. Which was obviously given for them as he died on the cross. 
And so Jesus is just looking for some sort of spark of faith in people that can, that can bring them into belief because that is key for us in reigning with God one day. Amen? That is key. Belief in Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about faith today. And the first thing that I want to talk about is faith, it, it, it starts as a spark. At some point in your life, there was a little bit of a spark in your heart and you just said, I need to see about this. I need to investigate. I, I need to discover who Jesus is. And what we learn in our story today is there had been reports amongst the people of things that Jesus had been doing. They're hearing all this stuff. There's this man who he's doing all these things. And you got to go see it. you got to check out what he's doing. And, and we need to be a part of it. We need to witness these things. Now, I don't know about you, but when amazing things happen, people talk. Right? And, and people, they, they had seen and heard that he was performing. And so the natural response is, I, I need to see that. I need to see that for myself. And interestingly enough, what, what I find is going on in the Church of America, and the church itself has nothing to do with, with miracles or, or the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the church has taken an approach. It's steered away from the miracle in pursuit of just faith. And I, I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, well, it, it's, it's not necessarily bad because faith is the key. But here's the thing I know that as I observe Scripture, miracles were a part of who Jesus is and who he was during his time of ministry. And so when people hear about miracles, it draws them in and it says, I want to be a part of that. Now, oftentimes, what you may hear me refer to it as this. Uh, we can refer to these moments as power encounters where, where we see the power or the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and amongst the people. And we've seen that in this church, amen? We've, we've seen that. And so we have these power encounters, and it displays to those who don't have faith that God is alive and active. Amen. We as believers should not be at the place where our faith is strengthened by a miracle, but embracing His Word is truth. So you have those that hear about the miracles and say, I want to see that. But if you're a regular attender, if you, if you say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, your faith should no longer be dictated by a miracle that needs to take place. You guys hearing me? Our prayer should be that, that God is revealed to those who are lost and that we now are the vessel to do that. We are the vessel for Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus, Jesus gone on to be with the Father, said, you are my ambassadors, so be ambassadors of God. But going back to this government official, he's got this crisis in his life. His son's about to die. You guys ever seen, I think the movie's called John Q with Denzel. You ever seen that movie? Where his, his son's about to die, they have no insurance, and he's just... A father will do anything to save his son, right? And so here, this government official, he's seen his son on his deathbed. He hears about this miracle worker. And he says, I got to at least give it a shot. And so he runs, and we don't know in what process of time he runs, but we know that Capernaum is nearby. In fact, Capernaum's about 13 miles, right? So Capernaum's about 13 miles, and so... He's going to Jesus and he is saying, you need to come and you need to perform this miracle for my son. 
Now, it's not clear if he had any faith or belief. In fact, it's suggested maybe he didn't. But what is clear is he embraced this idea that I've got one shot through this guy who's doing all these miracles. And just maybe my son will be healed. And at that moment when he made the decision that I'm just going to go see him and I'm going to give it a shot, it wasn't about mere belief in Jesus. It was an act of desperation for a miracle. In fact, our passage of Scripture this morning said he was begging Jesus. Begging him. And Jesus clearly in his response, we read that he is disappointed with the official's faith. He's seeing the request. He's hearing the request. He knows why people are coming to him, but he's disappointed. And clearly, as we've already stated, Jesus is much more than a miracle performer. He's much more than a circus act for people to just come and observe. But clearly, the need in this man's life, it led him to Jesus and gave him an opportunity to witness who Jesus really is. Now, I think in reading this and seeing Jesus' frustration and and knowing where this man was at in his life, I really emphasize that we cannot fault an unbelieving people in their response and how they get to Jesus. People find Jesus in unique ways like a miracle. That's fine. In fact, I believe that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you should have faith and and make opportunity, I should say, to be an agent for the Holy Spirit, to, to, be, to be listening and, and receiving what God has for you and following out how, His will, not just for your life, but what is His will for you today. And so being one of those agents that can help bring a miracle into someone's life because that's what God wants to do. God wants to instill some sort of faith in their life. And for the unbeliever, although a lack of belief at times, it can be frustrating They have yet to discover the perfect love of God. And that's where we come in too. That's where we come in. And so we we have this faith. It it usually starts in people's lives by a spark. And and it's it's by something like a need. Or or they're just hearing about the opportunity that that Jesus might bring to their life. That that maybe there's, there's hope. There's freedom. There's a breaking of sin in your life. Who says amen to that? And I know that it starts somewhere. It might start based out of a need like like this this man's son. But but that spark, it starts somewhere. And, And you guys know that if you've ever started a fire, how delicate some of those embers can be. And you have to handle it so carefully. But what we do, if if oxygen gets to that, if you know, God breathing life into that, right? And 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 it is open to receive it, and there there's nothing blocking that air from getting to that ember, then what happens is faith can be strengthened. And the barriers for what stops it from being strengthened is when we limit Christ. Because there are many of us that your faith might be hanging by just a thread. It might be just barely there. 
And so in, in this official's response to Jesus, he, well, I should say in Jesus' response, he's obviously hung up on these people who are only believing in me based on my signs and wonders. And it's, it's frustrating because I'm so much more than that. And, and if they just believe in the miracle, that's not good enough. But also, the man's request was rooted in belief that Jesus needed to be physically present. I'm sure you saw that. He's begging him to come back with him. You need to be present in order for my son to be healed. In our minds, in our carnal minds, it makes sense, right? So if you have, if you have some unique health thing going on in your life, and, and especially during a, a COVID world, uh, imagine calling a doctor and he's like, well, we can schedule a Zoom, Zoom appointment. You're like, man, you cannot diagnose me on no Zoom appointment. You know, I want to be there in person and I want you to look me over and I want you to be able to tell me what's going on. And so this man is thinking, Jesus can't possibly heal him in another town. He needs to be present. He needs to see what's going on. He needs to perform whatever it is that he does over my, my son and he will be healed. And I realize that I, I, as I'm rationalizing the man's response, it can be confusing for why Jesus is frustrated. But we have talked about this even today. Belief in a miracle is not equal to belief in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so many people, this is, this is a huge struggle I see in church today. Many people are coming to church when life has hit some kind of crisis point. Right? And so we're approaching God Fix my situation. Fix my situation. And many people that chase God as simply a fixer of their problems will not pursue Him on a daily basis. Fix my problem, and then I'm just going to, everything's going to get better. But you know what happens if we look at God as just a fixer or a problem solver? What happens is the thing gets better. Life is good, and man, when life is good, it's real good. I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need any of that stuff because life is good. But when life is bad, oh, God, I need you again. Are you there? Will you help me? We do that. And, and, and you know, when we come to God, hear me out, church, when we come to God, the things that we come to Him, sure, it should be about healing, but it should also be about repentance. It should also be about obedience, and it should be about the will of the Father. Yeah. Hear me out. Coming to church should be about a desire. God, change me. I'm going to walk in this daily pursuit of you. Make me new. Make me different. Make me your child. So Jesus presented him to this, this unique thought. If you go home now, your boy is healed. Don't you find that fascinating? Think about it. Up to that point, no one thought like that. So if I just go home, he's healed. Okay. But what he was doing was, Jesus was presenting to him, I am not bound by, by physical location. I don't have to be directly there to meet your need. You guys hearing me? Okay. 
And it is critical for us as people to, uh, the, who, who know the Spirit of God is with us daily. And God, He can speak to you anywhere at all times with all power at His disposal. And He has the gift of knowing all things. So He knows how to meet your need. It's not always as you think. So we as a church body, we, we should not look at our faith as being limited to, well, i got to go to the church in order for this to happen i got to go to my small group class or, or whatever class we have here at the church. Or if I go to these worship concerts, man, it does it for me and the Spirit of God moves and that's good. I am telling you that we as people, church is important and we should be routinely in church. And I hate the culture in America that if I come to church two Sundays a month, I'm good. I hate that culture. But what I know is that we have many believers that are that, that, that what, what we're doing is we're checking in our time card every Sunday and we're saying, okay, God, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm good. I'm, I'm, my, my faith is there. I'm responding every Sunday. God wants you on a daily basis. Amen? Yes. He wants you daily. And Jesus also wants you to be able to call on Him wherever we are at. And trust, He has the ability to reach us. Even in moments when we feel He's far away or we're on our own. And see, that's the real issue. Man, for some people, when things get bad, things get really bad. And there's some high mountaintops. There's some really low valleys, too. And church, it's not just about our needs, too, but it's the needs of praying for others. Hear me out. You don't have to be in the same location as someone to pray for them. You can pray for them over the phone. I've prayed through, for, for people through text, email. Or you can pray for others without even announcing it to them. Amen. Amen, you hear me? And there are times in Jesus' ministry where, oddly enough, he did wait to be in the physical location. I think about Lazarus, right? Jesus, Jesus he, he, he took his time getting there. But, but he got there, and he was there in the physical location. And, and so I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed by, by Jesus and how he responds the way he does. But I know that it is always about the discourse of the situation at hand. And here Jesus is struggling with belief. And what he does is he challenges weak faith. You and I, we're all going to reach some point in our lives where our faith is weak. And then God meets it with some sort of challenge. And how we respond is key. Why don't you think about this? Because this government official was told by Jesus, he'd been begging him, come with me. And Jesus says, go home now, your son is healed. And you know what that man did? He said, okay. He started walking. He started walking home. There's no more arguing. He sat at that moment and he said, you know what? I believe him. I believe him. I trust in him. I trust him at his word. I trust in what he's saying. It says, I mean, exactly this in verse 50. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. His action was the key point in this whole story. 
See, because in his understanding, Jesus, you have to be there in order for my son to be healed. And Jesus is like, man, you guys still don't get it. You still don't understand. So Jesus challenged him with, okay, how's he going to respond here? If you go home, your son's here. At that time, what God did, breathed into it. What are you going to do? Are you going to fizzle out? Are you going to miss that oxygen? Are you going to miss the fanning of that ember? Or are you going to receive it? And I don't know how many times people have, I've seen it here in this church, they've come to the altar, we've prayed for a need, and then immediately we leave here and we start questioning God, are you going to answer that or not? Or we think, you know, how should I respond to this? Well, first off, I tell you, you should be listening to the voice of God and respond how he tells you to respond. But I can tell you there are many times where I've, I've, I've prayed over an issue. I've left here and thought, do you think God's really going to do that? You think he is? I mean, I've seen him, I've seen him do it for other people. But is he going to do it for me? And then what we don't realize we're doing, we are limiting God in our approach, in our own beliefs. You know, you and I, we have spoke about Luke chapter 11 before. Luke chapter 11, this, this, it, it, Jesus is telling this story about a neighbor who goes, goes to his next door neighbor's house and he's, he's pounding on the door at midnight and he's asking for bread. And it's comparing that, that guy who's being disturbed in his sleep, it's comparing it to God and Jesus is encouraging us in prayer that what we need to do is we need to keep on going, keep on knocking, keep on asking, don't give up because eventually that person is going to get tired enough saying, okay, here is your bread, now go. And what Jesus is trying to teach us is that our approach in prayer should be that we know God has that bread. We know He has that bread. We know He has the ability to do it, and we can relentlessly pursue Him, believing as His children. He hears us. He wants to please us. You guys hearing me? Yes, amen. Now, I, I want to be very clear about this. This is not like a, a word of faith kind of message because I believe that when we cry out to God, when we relentlessly pursue God, God is going to speak and we have to be open to what he's going to say. Let me explain. Paul's talking about his own infirmities in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he described it as a thorn in the flesh. And he, was, he got very specific. He said, three times I asked God to take it away. And his response was the same every time. My power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul heard the will of God and decided, okay, you're going to use me in my weakened state. I can do that. That's the goodness of God. See, some of us, we'd lament, well, God, this thorn's still here, though. It's still here. I can't operate, God, with this thorn. i got to be released of that if you are going to have me do what I need to do. Are you guys following me? 
And so, so we, we, we have this approach that, that God, he just, he just needs to operate in this power that we're always good. Lord, I get everything I ever asked for. That's not God. God wants you to see and hear his will, operate in his will. And I'm promising you that when you do, when you respond to what he is saying, that he is going to use you in greater power than you ever imagined. My power is perfected in weakness. Where I am weak, he is made strong. And I am relying on him and leaning on him for everything in my life. So Jesus speaks to this man. And this man trusted him at his word. Yet we, oftentimes, we tend to let doubt creep in. Proverbs 3, chapter 5, or Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Amen? It's not about what you think you know, what you can assume. God's power, His depth is immeasurable. His faithfulness is unmatched. I encourage you, take Jesus at His word. And when you do that, you will begin to take that weak faith, that small fire, and it's going to start building. It's going to start growing. It's going to turn into something greater than you could ever imagine. And so what we need to do is, we also likewise, for those of you who have a fire burning with inside you, you need to give room for others to grow. Amen? So often we look at people and we're just like, why can't you just get it together? And it's easy for us to think that. You should just, you should just be where I'm at now. Because I'm good. That's not where they're at. And so we need to not settle for comfort or complacency in our own faith. And we need to be willing to be a part of what God's work is doing, God's Holy Spirit, and breathe onto those embers. You guys hearing me? Clearly, the government official's response proved that he was going to allow his faith to grow from this experience. It's going to grow by your action and your obedience. And Jesus, he told this man, go home, your son is healed. And he went home. And you know, it might seem like a very small act to you, but there are some key things that we can learn. Clearly his begging, we know, had displayed desperation, right? And I can say by his response, he wasn't desperate anymore. You want to know how we know that? He gets there the next day. He gets there the next day. We know he wasn't going to take no for an answer, but what we, what we learn is that there, there's something greater to be learned from this story. And your actions, church, I, I want to say this, your actions in response to Jesus, it states your faith. It shows your faith. I messed up on that slide. I've told you I'm tired. And this man, he said, you know what? I believe God did a work here. I believe Jesus did a work. And so he left that day around 1 o'clock, 13 miles. Imagine, a normal steady walk is about 2 miles an hour, right? 
He could have got there that day if he wanted to. But it said the next day. The next day. And so he goes home without doubt, trusting that God had done it. And he, he gets there, and, and then they're telling him about how everything happened, and he just came back to life. And they said, he said, what time did that happen? See, this, this is where he's realizing, okay, I was obedient, but God, is this in direct result to everything that happened yesterday? And they said, it happened at 1 o'clock. And he realized at that moment, that's when Jesus spoke those words. And you and I, we, we, we might struggle with the thought of this man just casually getting back home when his son is dying. And there are many of you that when Jesus performs a work in your life or when he performs a miracle, you say, okay, Jesus, if, 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 if you healed me, then when I step out like this, it's not going to hurt, right? And so we test him. We test him in those things. And we say, are you at work? Are you going to truly do these things? But you can trust in God, recognizing the miracle comes from Him, and we can move on with what God has for us, and we can move beyond that thing. You see? We can move beyond that need for healing. And His not hurrying back, it shows a level of comfort, peace, and trust. And when God speaks and He tells you the outcome, i got a question for you, a very serious question today. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Because I believe that God, he, he wants to work a much greater thing in your life than just this miracle that you might be clinging on to or hoping for. And He wants to change your life from the inside out. And so, so say this government official's son, Say he's healed at that moment, he lives, he moves on, and, and, but, but down the road, that son doesn't think about her. He doesn't know because he was too young to realize the miracle, the work that took place in his life. And he takes, he takes for granted the work that Jesus Christ did, and his soul is lost. Let's just say that. I am telling you, God is more concerned about a spiritual change in our lives than a physical one. He is more concerned about that. And so make no mistake, it is so important that we learn this man went back, he realized the work Jesus had done, and his whole family believed. His whole family believed. You and I, we need to embrace Jesus for who He is, and He is going to give you plenty of miracles to see. Don't make going to God about those miracles. You hear me? This faith can only come to fruition in your life through the work and infilling of the Holy Spirit. To where you are walking, you are moving forward, and you are saying, you know what, God? I'm not clinging to that thing anymore. I'm clinging to you. I'm looking to you, trusting in you. And that's when, lastly, the, the last thing I want to talk about today, that's when God is going to have a full fire of faith in your life. It's going to be a full fire. Now, again, it might not be a Rick hunt size fire where it reaches the uh, tops of the telephone poles. 
but there's going to be a comprehension and understanding of, of the miracle. And as I said, that, that he goes back, he, hears, he, he, he realizes what happened at 1 o'clock the day before. His family is, is saved. And, and we could sit there and say, well, Jesus, how did you work that miracle? Like, like going to a magic act. How did you perform that? Or why does God choose to work the way he does? And instead, we just embrace it. God, you're good. You do these things because you're good. Think about the song Waymaker. Waymaker, what does it say? He's a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who he is. And the more you grow in faith, the more you embrace what Jesus can do inside of you, the more he's going to be able to use you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, those who have followed him for three years. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what God wants to do through you, and the reason that he gifted his Holy Spirit to you, is because what he wants to do, he wants your faith to grow into this bright, undeniable light, this huge fire that no one can put out, and that you are going to go and do the work of God. You are going to be about the Father's business, just like Jesus was, and you're going to go out there, and people are going to see God through what you do. Are you hearing me? And I'm going to tell you, when the Holy Spirit poured out, that's when the accelerant was added. That's when God poured out. Acts 2, 2 through 4, listen to this. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And the moment the Holy Spirit poured out, God displayed what He could do with, with, with a genuine faith. People longing for Him because, because Jesus has, He had ascended and they were just seeking out, crying out to the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, they were operating out of obedience to Him and God poured out. There's a vision the prophet Zechariah has in Zechariah chapter 4. And in this vision, he sees two olive trees. And these trees, they, they have, the, 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 there's a bowl. And this bowl, what it's doing is, these olive trees are dripping oil into this bowl, and this bowl is collecting all the oil. And from that bowl, there are little plumb lines. There, there's a plumb line that is going to seven flames of fire. And so this fire is constantly being fed by this oil of these trees that are constantly dripping into the bowl, and the oil is then constantly being fed. It's just a continual process. In Revelation class, you should know this answer. What do those seven flames represent? We've talked about it. Don't disappoint me. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay? Listen to Zechariah 4, 6. Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
You see, with you and I, faith itself, it's, it's so deep and we could grow as quickly as possible in what you and I are going to find that no matter how much our faith grows, we are never going to arrive at this full point of faith. We're like, God, I've made it. I'm good. You know what? You've done everything you need to do in me. Now go do your work somewhere else because they need you. And when you have access to the Holy Spirit, you have His full ability to work in you and allow you to grow and see that there's so much more than you could ever imagine. And us being human can cause us to hold back, to yield in trusting Him. But if you open the door, if you allow God to breathe into your life, we will grow. We will grow. And so you and I, what we need to do is we need to just have complete trust in God. Trust the work of Jesus Christ on your life. And what this government official, imagine what if he chose to never believe? Imagine what if he's like, I can't go home. I got to get him there i got to get him there by any means necessary. Then he maybe would have never proclaimed to his household. And we don't know. Check this out. Because this is the way we need to look at faith. We don't know the ramifications for the rest of history had that government household's official never believed. We don't know how much faith multiplied in people's lives as a result of him choosing to believe and going home at that very moment. Think about the actions that you take when God speaks and how you respond to that because you can affect the generations to come. Can I get an amen? You can affect the generations to come and it all hinges on your response. See, your trust is not determined by your words, but it's determined by your actions. And and how are you going to respond to that? Because if you leave here, if you leave this place today, and it doesn't change the patterns of your everyday life, you could be just wasting your time. But if you choose to respond in action and watch the goodness of Jesus show up in your life again and again and again, it can change you, your household, and those future generations. The flame is fanned by obedience to God. By trusting Him. Will you obey? Will you trust? Will you surrender? Will you say, God... Worship team, if you can come. If you say, God, I've been clinging to this a long time. I've prayed, I've sought you for a long time. But I'm telling you, the problem in much of that is that we keep, here, I'm going to use your coat as an example. We have this huge need, huge need. We have this huge need, and we say, God, fix it. I want you to grab it. Say, God, fix it. And we say, God, fix it. No, no, God, fix it. Fix my problem. And we keep clinging to it. We're not letting go and just allowing him to fix it. We keep clinging to it and saying, God, I expect you to do this. I expect you to do this. But God, it's, it's, it's mine. It's my burden. But will you fix it? It's, seriously, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and we keep going to God with that approach. We're not releasing it and saying, God, it's yours. 
It's yours. It's not mine, it's yours.